You're listening to the Sunday Messages podcast brought to you by Cypress Creek Church. This week is a week of transition. There has been a lot going on in our lives. If you have school-aged kids, most of your, you know, most of the schools are now back and so you you've gone through that transition and you may not have any kids. Well, you still had a transition. It's called traffic. The traffic transitioned, especially if you live in this quiet and quaint town called Wimberley that ain't quiet nor quaint from like 6.30 to like 8.30 uh, when there's people like me that all of a sudden go from quiet time with Jesus to then being tested by the devil because of traffic. Anyway... So I just want to pull the room, see where we're at. I just confessed I was from a one of five. I was probably a two as to how I navigated this week of transition. Where were you this last week? Maybe one, you overbooked, overslept, you forgot to pick up kids, you ran over a couple of living things, animals, not humans. Uh, Five, you just crushed it, you saw signs and wonders and deliverances in your extra time and you helped your neighbors with all their honeydew list. Okay, one to five. Take a moment and meditate and ask the Lord, how did I do? One to five. And we're going to be honest here. No judgment zone, okay? Here we go. One, two, three, go. Oh, look at us go. I see the fives. I see some threes. Y'all were pretty productive church. Or we are really good at lying at church as to how we are doing. I want to spend the next four weeks talking about this one word that I want to embrace. And that is this, that we are limited as human beings walking on planet Earth. We have limited time. We're only here for a short amount of time. We only have a number of uh, limited resources, our time and money that we get to steward while we are here. We have limited influence as to who we surround ourselves with. We are limited. And I think the reason why I was a two and a lot of us are in the lower digits is because we want to live unlimited lives. We know that our world says that you can have unlimited options. When you go to Rudy's, they allow you to have unlimited sweet tea refills. We know it's not good for us. Maybe you didn't. Now you know. Okay. Unlimited refills at Rudy's is not the best for you. We have unlimited car washes when we pay for that subscription, you know, but what ends up happening? We don't have enough time. So we actually don't get to use the unlimited car wash feature and we end up losing money. Anybody else? Okay. Uh, We also have this thing called, and this one irks me the most, unlimited data plan. A couple months ago, I got a text from my cell phone provider. You can get more if you pay less. That's not what it sounded like, but that's what rang in my voice. And I thought I can pay less and get more data. And so we switched over and boy, do I regret it. Here's why. My speed is now throttled by the big man that lives in the antenna and is now throttling my streaming speed. And I'm actually not as productive. See, when we live with this idea that we have unlimited fill in the blank, 
It is a lie from the pit of hell. We have God-given limits that God wants us to embrace so that we can actually live freely what God wants us to do. We live in a culture that's saying that anything goes, that you can live the way that you want to live and have whatever you want to have with zero or no consequences or personal responsibility. The reality is, is that our God loves us too much to allow us to live an unlimited lifestyle. See, from page one of the Bible, he gives Adam and Eve, the first two humans, a limit. What did he say? Don't eat from that tree. Eat from that one. He knew that we couldn't handle the amount of wisdom that came from that tree. And of course, Adam and Eve, and so do we today, we resist God's limits and we say, hey, I want to give it a go. A couple chapters later in chapter 11 of the book of Genesis, humans, again, think that they've invented this thing that will give them unlimited opportunities. It's called the brick, and they build this tower, the Burj Khalifa of the day, and they say what? Thank you, God, for giving me the creative ability to build something for your glory and in your name. Nope. They say, thank you, me, for the strength, the inner strength that you have to build something that then brings glory and honor to mankind. Again, God, oh, we resisted God's limits, but in his kindness, he gave them another limit. It's called a language barrier. <laughs> and he uh, confused their tongue and the people spread out. And that's where we get nations according to the Bible. And then in chapter 12, God shows a stead fast love to people that want to live unlimited lives through this man named Abraham all the way through this man named Jesus who came here on earth, had unlimited power as God himself. And yet, get this, he also lived a life of limits. He went away to spend time with Jesus, he only poured most of his wisdom and life to three men, James, Peter, and John. And then he shared his life a little more with 12. And then he spoke to the multitudes, but he gave us limits as his body. Now that he's ascended into heaven, the Holy Spirit descended to live out so that we can have this freedom and this rest that comes with living as a follower of Jesus. And so this morning, I want us to just embrace this gift of limits. We're going to be reading from Acts 2, 42 through 47. This is the activity of the first church. Let's see how they embraced limits. And then we're going to focus just on verse 42 this morning. Here we go. Verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people in the Lord, added to their number daily those who were being saved. The same activity that they practiced in the first century is the same activity that this church, Cypress Creek Church, has been living out for 
30 years as we have both gathered here in this place and in homes all around the world as we have followed the great commandments and the great commission. And this morning, I want to talk about these four quickly gather. They were gathered together all in one place. They were growing to become more like Jesus as they were filled with awe. And then they were giving to one another as each had need. And they were going as the Lord added to their number daily and making disciples. This morning, I want to focus on gather. We are gathered here today, not for a wedding, but for a celebration of what Jesus is doing, practicing this rhythm called church. These are the fundamentals. We can never outgrow these fundamentals. In fact, the more we practice them, the stronger we get. And it's so important for us to just go back to the basics to that jump shot, to the dribble, to the catch and throw, to practicing skills. Nobody wants to practice, and yet practice makes what? Perfect. And it's the same way with our faith. Let's embrace these limits that God has given us this morning. Again, we're going to look at gather, and we have this verse that teaches us what they were doing as they gathered. It says that they devoted themselves to three things. First, the apostles' teaching. Second, to fellowship. And then third, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Let's break this down and see what it teaches us. The first, they were devoted. Who is they? Well, they are 15 nations that all gathered in Jerusalem to celebrate the festival of the harvest, one of the major festivals in all for all Israelites and they were they made their pilgrimage from all of these places into this one town called Jerusalem, the center for the Jewish people. And it's really cool because it happened right after the day of Pentecost. So in the Bible, we have the whole Old Testament and then the New Testament. This man named Jesus lived a perfect life so that he can be the perfect sacrifice. He died on a cross and then he was buried in a grave, stayed there for three days and then rose again, ascended into heaven after being with his disciples. And his disciples were like, what now? And he said, wait. And then the Holy Spirit of God came down filled the, 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 the apostles, the disciples with his spirit, and then they were sent out. This one man named Peter, who had just denied Jesus three times, was the one who stepped out and proclaimed Jesus, the crucified Jesus, to this crowd. And it says that 3,000 in Acts 2, 3,000 repented, believed, and were baptized, which then brought about the first church gathering. That is who they were. And it says that they were set apart. They were doing something radical. What was that? They were devoted. Can we say that word together? Devoted. I wonder if someone saw your life, whether they would say that person is devoted or would they say they're distracted? We live in distracting times and God has called us to be devoted. If you're wondering, well, am I, am I devoted? I would ask yourself, ask myself, me, <laughs> what does my calendar look like? If you want to know what you are devoted to, check your calendar. If you want to know what you're devoted to, check your checkbook. See where your money is going. If you want to know where you are devoted to, check 
the crowd that you're hanging around. If you want to know what you're devoted to, check out what's concerning you. What are your worries and anxieties in the season of your life? Those things will reveal what we are devoted to. Devoted means totally committed, to be steadfastly attentive unto something, to give unremitting care to a thing. It's a word that we need to embrace in 2023, because the truth is, is that many of us are guilty of living distracted lives. We are spread thin. We give little to a lot versus give a lot to just a few Things And these guys were devoted to three things. For 30 years, Cypress Creek Church has been devoted to these three things. Jesus, relationship, and mission. Before we break them out, a quote from a guy named Justin Early who wrote the book, The Common Rule. He says, I had lived my whole life thinking that limits ruin freedom when all along it's been the opposite, the right limits create freedom. I remember freshman at Texas State University, I had my list of priorities, my list of things that I wanted to be devoted to first and foremost was not school friends. I wanted a good group of people around me. The second is I wanted a good job so that I can pay for my hangouts with my friends, okay? And uh, then the third was, okay, I'm in school, so I may as well study. And uh, then the fourth uh, came this thing called church. God was important to me growing up. I grew up uh, Catholic, kind of going to church, kind of not, but I knew God was real, but I gave him the fourth place in my life. Thanks be to God. Someone on the soccer team that I was trying out for was a part of this church and invited me to this thing called a community group, and the rest is history. I met my Savior face-to-face as I read the apostles' teaching. That is the first thing that they were devoted to, the word of God. The apostles had just come from literally hanging out with Jesus. And so they were reiterating what they just learned, what they just experienced. They had the 39 books of the Old Testament and then a real life story of Jesus that they were sharing with them as the New Testament was literally being written day by day. Then And uh, this is what they were experiencing. Colossians chapter 3, verse 16. Let the word of Christ, that's the apostles' teaching, dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing, that's correcting, that's rebuking, that's speaking the truth in love, one another in all wisdom, and singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Now, where do we do that? Not a trick question. We just did it. We're doing it right now in the weekly gathering rhythm of church. Attendance in church is important for this. And I know I'm preaching to the choir because we're here after all, but consistent attendance is important just as consistent practice is important, whether you're playing instrument or whether you're at a sport, whether you're working out, it's not, your muscles aren't going to grow unless you do more reps. A consistent weekly rhythm of gathering allows us to be formed in his book, Rediscover Church, Jonathan Lehman writes this. We hear from Jesus every time we open our Bibles, yes, but we hear from him together in the weekly gathering. We're shaped 
together as a people there. I love when mental health experts call out what's been written for thousands of years here in the Bible. And there are three things that they say that are really good for our mental health. The first is quiet meditation. Sound familiar to us to follow Jesus? It's called prayer, right? The second is finding a few people that you are gathered uh, uh, with so that you can really know one another and support one another through life. Well, what do we call those here? We call those community groups and we get them from this verse. If we can pull it up, Acts 2, 46, it says that every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They didn't just meet once a week. They had an extra portion of anointing and blessing back then. Can you imagine hanging out with the church every day, depending who you're hanging out with, maybe depending on how you feel about that, right? Uh, but then they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. So that's the second thing. And then the third thing, funny enough, not funny, it's awesome. They said, if you sang out loud in a group of people, like a concert or something, that would be good for your mental health. That is what Jesus has commanded us to do when we gather. We proclaim his goodness. We sing when we feel like it. And we sing like this morning, Joel, let us, when we just say, my soul be stirred. He is the Lord. He is God with us. Emmanuel. So a couple of other things that are really cool. Church turns out is good for us. <laughs> Newsflash. There has been some research done that church attendance, being a part of a body, is good for us. There are five. I'm gonna, that's number three. I'm going to go through these really quickly. We already celebrated this this morning, but the adoption rates among practicing Christians double the average of those that do not attend church. Number two is that church-going conservative Christians are in the category, you're going to love this if you're married, with the most fulfilling sex lives in America. Stats say it, it's true. Much higher than secular couples or those that tend attend irregularly. Number three, I know you're like, can we just hang in number two? Y'all keep coming. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about that later. Number three, church attendance is correlated with these mental health Benefits, less depression, less suicide, less emotional pain indicators, greater social support and meaning of life, life satisfaction, civic engagement in children, more likely to grow happy. Uh, I love this. Oh, I miss once. In the Me Too area, church attendance yields the most enjoyable and the least abusive relationships for women. This was a poll with just Women, And so I love that this is the fruit of our gathering. This is the fruit of the Holy Spirit through us as we do what he's asked us to do. I want to talk on this last one, though. Children are more, most more, uh, are happier. A couple of graphs. First, parents, especially if you have little ones, this is probably how you feel right now. How much time you think you have with your kids? Are they ever going to go down for bed? I can't. I'm so excited that they're back in school because I can have my life back. We think that we have all the time in the world with them, don't we? Well, here's the reality. 95% of our time with our children happens between their age of birth to eight. The rest of the 5% is distributed over the next 50 years. Think about that. 
If you have little ones and you make church a priority, you join a community group, you join uh, uh, Link Arms with others that are also raising kids to know Jesus, it makes a difference. Time is short. We have a limited time with them. And so let's do this together. Here's what Hebrews 10 23 through 25 says, let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful and let us consider, here we go, how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. He's saying you have a limited amount of time. Let's be together. If you are visiting Cypress Creek Church, I hope you make this your church home, but I love that we live in a community with many great gospel-centered, biblical churches. Find one, commit to one, and let's see what God does. Because the second ingredient, it was Jesus, the teachings of Jesus and the apostles, and then relationship to fellowship. This word means koinonia, which literally means sharing Together, It means enjoying each other's company. It means going through the highs and the lows with one another. See, it is fun to do this on a weekly gathering. There is a place for the preaching of the word and the corporate singing and, and prayer. But y'all, it's hard to really know what's going on in a short amount of window on Sunday mornings. That's why we're serious about community groups. This church started with a small group of 46 people in a living room in 1993. This, by the way, we call our big living room. And now we have uh, many coming to this living room and we need more meeting in living rooms to do what 2 Thessalonians teaches us. Here it is in 278, as apostles of Christ, here's Paul and the apostles speaking. We certainly had the right to make some demands of you. He's saying, hey, we know a lot of things and we can be bossy and we can be top down in our leadership. But he says, instead, we were, we were like what? Like children among you. Or we were like a mother feeding and caring for her own children. We loved you so much that we shared with you not only God's good news, but our own lives as well. Really hard to do that in a big gathering like this. That's why as we grow bigger, we want to get smaller so that we can share the gospel of Jesus Christ with one another, opening up his word and doing life together. If you get that, can I hear a loud amen? amen. This is a great time to check some community groups out. There are some community groups uh, uh, lists back there. And check it out. The ingredients are the same in each group, but the flavor's a little different. Some of us like a little spicier group. And so you may go to one that may just be, you know, a little bit more calm. And, and you may want that. And you may go to a spicy group and you're like, I want more of this. Same ingredients, different flavors. Isn't the body of Christ awesome? I like it that way. If we all play the same instrument in the symphony, it wouldn't be a good sound. It would be dull and monotone. And I praise God that we have all the flavors, all the instruments, all the tone in this church family, closing with this mission. It says that they were breaking bread into prayer. And you may be wondering, what does that have to do with mission? Well, they just saw Jesus break apart. Bread 
at the Last Supper. And before then, they saw Jesus take some loaves and some fishes and multiply that so that more could be fed. And I love this picture of the early church gathering to do what Jesus had done to them because there is no doubt in my mind that they, as they were breaking bread and prayer, weren't focused on just me. They weren't focused on, I just got to live my best life. I need unlimited resources so I can build up a name for myself. No, they were sharing. They were saying, I'm going to take a little so that you can have some. They were outward focused because they're responding to the one who literally broke, whose body broke on the cross as he paid for our sins, where his body, his, his blood was poured out so that we could be called blameless, so that we could be a holy nation and priesthood of believers. And now he says, go, tag, you're it. Be my people. Be on mission as we confront this crazy, distracted, and unlimited world out there. And if you're here this morning and I just added to an already full schedule and you're like, I can't fit 15 minutes of anything more, I want to encourage you to read these verses, read these words of Jesus in Matthew 11. Because if we miss this, we've missed it all. We can't do anything for God. He's already done everything for us. We do everything out of a response for what he's already done for us. He says, come to me all who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. If you are able, please stand with me as we close in prayer. We pray, Lord, for your rest. We pray, Lord, for your spirit to be so very present in our hearts. We thank you, God, that you've given us everything that we need. And most of all, we thank you for doing what we could not. And that is living a perfect life to be the perfect sacrifice so that we can commune with an unlimited God here in this limited time. And when we know you, Jesus, we have an unlimited future, everlasting life. Maybe this morning you need to come up and confess up here in the altar, kneel down, stand. Maybe you need to come to one of these uh, amazing prayer partners to my left or to my right and, and pray. Or maybe this is the day that you surrender your life to Jesus and say, God, I'm tired and I'm ready to surrender my life to you. He is looking at your heart posture and he wants you to confess with your mouth words like these. Jesus, I surrender my life to you and I believe that you did what I couldn't do. You died for me and you rose again to bring me everlasting life. I commit my life to you and trust you as I live the rest of my days. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Sunday Messages podcast. You can dive deeper into the messages weekly by subscribing to the Conversations podcast, where we dig into the previous Sunday's message, unpacking how we can apply it further in our daily lives. 
See you again next week.